0: Hello, Gabby.
1: Hi, Chris, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing uh, very well, thank you. Much better now that I've got this, um, my damn microphone working.
1: Are you still doing it on the desktop?
0: Yeah, I am. I think it's better than the phone. I think the quality over the phone is really good. I think it's much better coming through the microphone on my computer. Is everything fine at your end?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna try and keep still uh, this week because last week I kind of just started moving my arms around and yeah. So I'm gonna try and keep
0: Oh, I head. wouldn't have been able to tell. I thought um you always sound okay on the podcast when I listen to them again.
1: Oh, well that's good to hear.
0: Well it's more of a technical side of it. Not so <laughs> no, much <I'm> just kidding.
1: <laughs> I will say that it was funny last week because I'd never appreciated or really thought about the fact that you're a boy and I'm a girl until we reviewed Celine and Julie Go Boating.
0: Oh, that was the moment you thought about it.
1: Well, well yeah, because, it because usually we just, like, I don't know, discuss our opinions. And then, I, and then you were like, you're a girl. And I was like, but you're a boy. <laughs> but no, so this it might come up again with this review of Ran, though, because this is technically, if you wanted to say, more of a boy film, I guess.
0: Why would don't you like guns and samurais and well before, people getting
1: etc. etc. Et before we get into what I thought the film. Uh, let's just keep in mind that some of my favourite films are like The Wild Bunch, The Great Escape, Dunkirk, Batman Begins. Uh, So I do like typically guy films, like Dirty Harry and all that kind of thing. But we'll get to what I thought of this film in a second. But can you tell us a bit about it, Chris?
0: So the film we'll be reviewing today is a retelling of Shakespeare's King Lear by Akira Kurosawa. The film RAN was released in Japan in 1985 and transports the view to feudal Japan and the world of intrigue and chaos,
1: very, as we speak. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let's see. So this was your pick um, this week. So tell me what you thought.
0: So I love this film, but I recognize that there, that there is not only a case for it, there's also a case against So, like I said, I enjoyed the film, but I can see where its weaknesses are. Having said that, though, I've looked at other people's reviews of it, and it mostly is considered to be a 10 out of 10 film. Yeah, masterpiece um... is the
1: word that is thrown around most often.
0: Yeah, yeah. Definitely.
1: Mark is making banana bread in the kitchen, so I'm just going to close the door. Ah, okay. Uh, there we go i didn't know if you could hear it but um
0: i think actually i'm thinking that was a noise i thought it was my microphone messing up again but now i realize i think it was the banana bread
1: yeah it was the banana bread but yeah so like um more often than not it's quoted as like a masterpiece one of curacao best um, a lot of people think it was robbed at the Oscars. Um, I think it only won Best Costume Design, but it was nominated for, like, director and other things. And um, when you look up how the film was made, um, for example, Kurosawa's wife died during the pr- production, and he only allowed himself one day to mourn before carrying on. And when you think of all the things going on, uh, behind scenes, how, you know, it's come out is quite commendable. Um,
0: Absolutely, yeah. I yeah. mean, I can't imagine working under those circumstances. He's certainly somebody who's dedicated to um, filmmaking, so I'll uh, give that.
1: And, um, you know, I appreciate, I think what I like most about this film was some of the, Directing choices, because you know it takes me back to how much I ended up enjoying High and Low when we reviewed that, which is a film you did about twenty years beforehand. Because I think the directing on that was just, you know, stand out. I mean, I I remember if I go back on that review, I was a bit confused, you know, why it was so uh, lauded, because I. I thought it was quite simplistic and by the numbers and I didn't really like the characters. And then it got better as it went on. And that's a long film like this film is. Um, but I'll get into what I think in a second. So what, tell me what you think you enjoyed most about this one.
0: I think what I enjoyed the most is definitely the setting, the scenery, the action, the cinematography. The battles were just superb. They were breathtaking there might be things to say about other aspects of the film, but you can't fault the visuals.
1: Well, he, you know, he filmed this in like, um, I want to say 1984, because um, it was released in 85, but it might have, um, you know, it was, at the very least it was in the 80s when he made this film. Being a period piece, something like 16th century Japan is meant to be, and, um you know, he he was quoted as saying that he had to be very careful where he put the camera because he said if he if he turned slightly to the left, he'd get a shot in of the Sony building, and if he did it slightly to the right, he'd get a shot in of the airport. So he was under oh, wow. con- yeah he was under conditions that were quite tight in that time in Japan to make a period film like this, and you know he manages to get terrific shots of. These long shots of people on cliffs and people on hills and horseback, and uh, you know, so and also those battle scenes with a lot of extras in as the different armies. So it, it you know it really pulls it off, um, and that's some stuff I I liked about it. Um, if we look at the title of the film, I I thought it was quite strange. It's called Ran or Ron, however you want to pronounce it. But that actually translates in Japanese to chaos or revolt, uh, which is more in keeping with um, the themes of the film.
0: Yeah, the title—it's probably strength of it. The title's simple; it's straightforward; it's memorable. So, I mean, the title—the title is the title. I think, it, and it does serve, describe what the film is very well.
1: Well, when I was at uni. Um, I want to say in my third year, uh, we had this uh, library, library slash theatre on campus, and there was a big poster up that was for Ron, and my friend, if you're listening, Carmichael, um, really wanted to go see it, um, but, you know, third year, we had a lot of exams and stuff, and it was, this film's like just under three hours. And we, ne- we never fit it in. Um, we always thought we'd just squeeze it in, but we never go around to it. But I remember walking past that poster and seeing the samurais on horseback and being like, why is it called Ron? <laughs> like, what is this?
0: Well, it's been answered for you now.
1: Yeah, I-, I know four years later what it was about. But like, so the other thing that's interesting is Carousel. I think I mentioned this on our previous episode when we discussed high and low that Kurosawa really likes literature uh, and particularly Shakespeare so uh, he did I want to say Throne of Blood and that was an adaptation of Macbeth and he did The Bad Sleep Well which is an adaptation of Hamlet and this is an adaptation as you said before of King Lear and he's changed things slightly in terms of, you know, sort of three daughters, it's three sons, and it's set during samurai times. Um, and I've always said, if you're going to do an adaptation of something that's been done before, do something different. And he did do something different. So I like that. But...
0: and Just, just to say about the three princes, I liked how they were conveniently coloured yellow, red, and blue. So we did tell easily apart and remember them.
1: like Teletubbies like Teletubbies <laughs> that is a good one I mean I, I I, like how the changing cinematography for example it's a director's trademark for Kurosawa to uh, uh, it's more visible in this film which is in colour than his black and white films but he makes things gloomier as as the film goes on you know by using the cinematography to suggest how the tone is darkening and all that kind of thing it's a good visual aid to what you're trying to say where you you know the narrative is going um so what's what's interesting about this film is at the very beginning when the all the brothers are together uh, all the noblemen are together and the father is there and he's all in white robes and his sons as you said are in blue and yellow and red and it's and they're on a grassy they're in a grassy field you know like it's beautiful green and all all the colors are popping and then as you go on and you get closer and closer to that big battle at the end there's like smoke everywhere and even though people have got the different colored flags most most of them are in black armor so you only see hints of red hints of blue uh, so it's interesting how that changes that go on.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Because I remember the one the battle. I think it was the first battle scene took place in some kind of a storm or um, late in the evening, and that overcast just really matched the mood. It really matched what I think Akira wanted us to feel. That war is terrible, and that whole battle just showed us the destructive consequences. Of war. I think, unlike in other films, especially modern films where we have this gratuity and blood sort of to shock and shock the viewer, I think actually here, um, the blood and the gore was done in a more dignified way. And like I said, it was meant to show us that war is something terrible.
1: Yeah, I mean, what's funny is that at, there was a time in cinema. In the seventies and eighties, where blood was like a really, really, like bright, vibrant red, and it looked nothing like blood, and it it looks quite ridiculous. Like, for example, someone gets beheaded in this film, and she she well, I'm kind of spoiling it. But we'll get into spoilers later. But there's just blood. It's what
0: happens when the looks pain mixer malfunctions?
1: And it, you can't you you kind of do take it seriously, but you also don't. Um, it's a tough. Oh, part. you
0: didn't like that part.
1: Well, there's a, one of the first battle scenes, uh, and I kind of made the mistake by having a sandwich while I while I was watching it, <laughs> and seeing people losing limbs and getting arrows to the eye. You know, it kind of did make me feel a bit nauseous. But there's that bit where the father, the father in the first battle scene I'm talking about, he's almost catatonic. He's 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 just sat in his room, and all these flaming arrows are being shot through the windows into his room and he doesn't even look around flinch or anything and the room goes from this dark uh sort of dusty room and it just lights up with fire orange yellow red just all around him and he he barely even blinks cuz it's a long uh take just on his face and you know, I, I think I use that on our Twitter page because I, you know, I I love that. I love
0: that actually.
1: But um, <laughs> but I mean, I think the reason. I mean, how do I phrase this? Well, that's
0: I... a good shot. I'm looking at the Twitter page, yeah, that's a, that's a really good shot.
1: Oh yeah, I I that's when I think about the oh, film yeah. now.
0: It's going around him, yeah, that, that's why that's his exact thought so yeah i've made a mess of this
1: what have you done now? (laughs) what have you
0: done yeah he's thinking to himself yeah i've made a mess of this yeah it's it's completely it's completely fudged
1: well that's the thing isn't it with shakespeare when i think shakespeare i think some of the biggest themes in that are regret uh you know if we go over the synopsis quickly king lear well not king lear uh we have our um, is he a king? Um, or...
0: he's like uh, I don't know what the what the word is. He's like a petty king, isn't he? Like no, like a, a chief, like a war or a warlord. I'd say a warlord, isn't he?
1: Warlord, yeah. And you know, he at the beginning of the film, he falls asleep in a meeting. And they kind of go, oh, granddad's fallen asleep again. And they walk away. And then he suddenly goes, oh, and he says, I've had this terrible dream. And it puts everything into place for him that, oh, I'm getting on a bit. I better pass on my kingdom. And I'm going to split my kingdom three ways. You know, eldest brother, middle brother, that youngest brother. But the youngest brother says, what does he say? Um... He, he I'm just... not
0: doing it by youngest or all. well the oldest one is in yellow, so the yellow brother.
1: Yeah, yellow, um, red and, gets blue. The land.
0: <laughs> and then the red brother is uh, respectful of his father's decision. And then the blue brother is um not so respectful. But the blue telly tubby. Yeah, the blue, yeah,
1: blue, blue. telly tubby is he comes across as not respectful, but some of the points he makes are that Look, if we've all got a piece of this kingdom, we're going to start fighting um, because it you can't you almost can't split it equally. And he fears there will be problems with greed and all that kind of thing. Whilst the 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 eldest two brothers, and this is similar to the King Lear, uh, the original King Lear story, in that the the two eldest kind of flatter the father say they'll do their best and all that kind of thing Uh, but very very quickly we find that they either well it's just it's hard to explain I I kind of thought that some of these and this I'm going to go into what I didn't like about the film because if I'm honest I I borderline really didn't like this film Uh, so one of the reasons I didn't like it was I felt like everyone's motivations happened too fast, even though it's a really long film. And I couldn't understand why they felt the way they did, apart from plot deciding that one had to be a nasty brother, the other one had to be a weak brother, and the other one had to be a good brother.
0: Well, I tend to disagree a little bit there. I think the plot did allow these things to develop in a more natural way. So you, so the way it progressed is that you saw a rift gradually growing between the um, father and his two other sons who were, hadn't been banished and were still in the kingdom. And that was sort of exacerbated by the female character, the um, the princess. God, I hated and her. You didn't like her? Oh. I hated
1: her. Oh my god, her. Well, we saw meant to a little bit. No, but her performance was. She was. I had my. I was listening to it on my headphones a few times. She screeched so much that I thought my ears were gonna pop. It was. Oh my god.
0: Yeah, actually, that's part of my case against this. It's the robotic dialogue. Well, I shouldn't say dialogue, but also just the way that the actors spoke. I think maybe for a lot of viewers Akira got away with it because at the time I imagine that many people were very careful with how they spoke and they would be very polite, not vulgar at all, and they would always make sure to pronounce what they said clearly and always made sure to speak clearly. But... For me, it didn't quite seem authentic enough. It did feel like bad acting at some time to me. I, I think with... Um, it was just one, one, one final thing before you interject. Gabby, Gabby, Gabby. Um, I think the father, when he was pretending to be crazy, there was maybe a couple of moments where I believed it, but after a while, it started getting pretty tiring, and I'm thinking, yeah, this just looks like hysterical acting now.
1: The thing is, is that... Acting in film is has changed so much over the years from when it began in silent cinema, where all you could do was big, big gestures and things like that. Uh, but like if you look at the early nineteen fifties, when Brando and you know like James Dean and all these method actors were coming in, they all they you know they adopted this naturalistic kind of portrayals of you know characters and things like that and that carried on and through the 60s when Dustin Hoffman came in and you know I in the 70s and 80s it got less naturalistic I mean when you think of your uh, Sylvester Stallone's and um, you know Arnold Schwarzenegger's and stuff because this film came out you know let's think about 1985 so Back to the Futures out in the cinema uh, The year Before I believe you had Terminator and Gremlins uh, You know It's a different kind Of time For I mean I can't really think of many Period pieces in that time I mean obviously period pieces did come out In the 80s but I'm just saying I can't Think of many off the top of my head And you wonder how this was received at the time acting wise, acting wise, because, you know, you still get those kind of performances on the stage in the West End or Broadway um, because you're wanting to, you're wanting the people in the back rows to know what you're about and things like that. But in a film, uh, especially if you're listening with your headphones in your phone, (laughs) like I was, it just, oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I couldn't. Personally, cope with her scenes. Yes, you do raise
0: a very good point, actually, about other films at the time. And the of in I think that this film, in terms of the visuals, was very modern. But in terms of the acting, I think it was, unfortunately.
1: I I I think the, the, the problem with this film just for me because i know i'm in the minority here is that it doesn't have the balance of terrific directing uh and editing and cinematography it's it's sort of weighted down by i i personally didn't find the story of what is a king lear adaptation very interesting uh and i also didn't think the performances particularly good i mean let's not even talk about uh the king's sort of court jester companion who goes from squealing and jumping around like he's a bunny rabbit to crying his eyes out like he's losing the love of his life when the old man starts you know about to um, pop his clocks you know i i just couldn't cope with that kind of writing or performances really so,
0: I think that's another downside of the film. Another one I was going to mention actually was just that character, the jester. Because although it may have made sense in a film about medieval England, I'm not sure if the jester character really fits into the, thing of the idea of different societies that are based upon honour. And if anybody tries to the manual of an emperor or a king or a, 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 a samurai, then they would be dealt with and very So I can't imagine this character ever in, in feudal Japan. It just doesn't, I don't think it really works very well. And it'd be interesting though, Jack, to know what Japanese audience that character because, just to reiterate, I, I don't think it, it made sense either
1: yeah i mean it did feel a bit i don't know because i know why he changed it well i don't know for a fact but i assume the reason why he changed it from three daughters to three sons is because at that time in japan they you know the, the men would go off and they would uh you know be the rulers of the kingdoms and that kind of thing um so I understand that, and I'm not against that, because um, it would it would have been out of place if at that time he was giving the kingdoms to his daughters. So the court jester character being included in it, you, you know, you could have got rid of him. He did, he brought nothing in my in my opinion.
0: The problem is with the jester character is that in the play, a lot of the best lines in the play jester the character. They do. So you can't really, do... yeah, they do.
1: Can you give it? The, re- can you given it to the, the the good fan, the blue Teletubby?
0: Yes, yes, and no. I, I don't know about the blue <laughs> the blue Teletubby. I regret saying that now. Um, no, I think the Jester character had to be included, and I think Kira Kurosawa knew that, so he made it so. But what I will say about what you're saying about it making sense. Sons were sorry. The um, three daughters were replaced with sons um, during the um, first battle scene. The warlord um, and all the women in the castle commits mm. I mean, a duty. So fucking. So there we go. I don't know what that says about men, or maybe it's a
1: I'm glad you pointed that out because, like, they're. I mean, you know, I think we will go into spoilers territory. uh, And a lot of people know the King Lear sort of, you know, how that ends. So we're going into spoilers territory now. That is the noise to tell you. Um, You know, annoying woman uh, who's uh, the wife of the eldest brother who, you know, as soon as he's out of the picture, seduces the middle brother because she wants to carry on you know, living in a kingdom or whatever. I, I think the
0: lady's name's K- what, what? K-A-Day. K-what-what? K-A-Day. K-A-Day. Or K-Day. K-Day.
1: Okay, so K-A-Day...
0: we call her K-A-Day. We'll just decide ka
1: right, We'll go ka Um, You know, when she she died, she's murdered quite uh, more, more brutally than, than the men because... The first brother, he dies by an arrow to the back. I think the third brother dies from an arrow to the back. How does the second brother die? I can't remember now.
0: So the first brother to die, the... What was his name? Taro, the yellow brother. Yeah,
1: Taro the is back. the eldest. Jiro is the middle. Uh, and then Sabura so- is the third.
0: Yeah, the blue one. So the, the you're talking about the first brother to die, Taro, the yellow Yeah. One. How did he die again, he, he
1: got an arrow to the back.
0: He didn't. You were shot in the back. he
1: shot with a gun. By him. With, with a gun, okay.
0: His back, his back exploded. Do <laughs> um, you as we mentioned that? Hey, hey, don't laugh. I mean, that's not the funny part. The funny part next. So, um, in the next scene, the you know the he's talking to his general, hmm. he's talking to his general, and his general says to him, you know, to inform you that your brother died in the battle. He, and then he says what's happened to him he was shot by a straight bullet in the and then the man's gun and then he looks at him and they look at each other for a few moments and say I don't know if that was intentionally funny, it probably was but well, I thought that was quite a good scene anyway
1: <laughs> Well I like the scene where uh, one of the generals is. he d- he doesn't like uh Kaida very much when she becomes the wife, or you know, the favorite bride of the middle brother uh, Jiro. So he he he's brought this thing in in a bundle that looks as if someone's you know a detruncated head. Uh, But when he unwraps it, it's the head of a stone fox.
0: Yeah, that was a good scene, well, I Well, that's think. quite
1: comical because he says something like, um, oh, it was meant to be this evil, nasty witch. Uh, and when I cut off her head, she turned into her stone form because that's how she hides. And then he, he's looking at Kaida and he's saying, oh, these witches, they're everywhere, really. And, uh, you know, they can t- turn to stone just like their hearts. And she's just glaring at him. <laughs>
0: What about the scene where the two of them made love? Uh,
1: uh. <laughs> First of all, did,
0: did, 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 I'm not. Do you want me? I'm not. I don't even want to describe well, in detail, but I saw one. on this as show well. we
1: talked about, you know, women and catfishes, so I think we can talk about this one. So she she acts as if she wants to kill the middle brother in terms of revenge for the death of her husband, who is his older brother. And she kinda cuts him a bit on the neck and then she just
0: Yeah. Ugh Ugh (laughs) Yeah. Okay, shall we leave it? We'll leave it
1: there. I think people can put two and two together. But this is the thing. So like first of all I just wanna say that these films by um Kurosawa are have have had a huge impact on american um filmmakers for example he did seven samurai in 1955 i want to say and that inspired the magnificent seven which came out in 1960 he also did a samurai film called Yojimbo, which i believe inspired a fistful of dollars the spaghetti western with clint eastwood so you know Things in his work, and I personally think it's not the story with this film. I think it's more the directing, um, because you know this film is like a western in a lot of ways. I, I like, yeah, I do I like suppose. westerns. Um, they're not my it's not my favorite genre personally, but you know I can I can find a lot of um, enjoyment and good characters in it. But with this film, I. I want to say something real fast that I was talking to Mark about earlier, that I have a problem with when you don't, for example, in that final battle scene, we saw one man fall off a horse after being shot with an arrow, then another one, then another one, then another one. And they could have recycled the same shot for all I knew because I didn't know any of those men. And I didn't feel anything when they were, were shot. Um, I didn't feel anything for anyone when anyone was killed. But you know if I talk about the film Dunkirk, uh, spoilers for Dunkirk, if you know people haven't seen it, but there's a character in
0: They got away. They
1: got away, yes, but there's a character in that who you meet very, very early in the film and he doesn't speak very much at all because it turns out that he's French but doesn't want anyone else to know he is French. So he's hanging around with a lot of English... English... Sho- oh, my God. English... English soldiers. English...
0: It's English <laughs> shoulders. he <laughs> <laughs> you been no, drinking, Gabby. No, i
1: drinking. But so he, he doesn't want them to know. He wants them to just assume he's English. But you, you really learn to care about him through his actions and through his expressions. So he has hardly any dialogue. And when he drowns, spoilers, he you you really care because you know you didn't know his name, you you, but it's just through his actions. And when I was seeing all these faceless men being killed in a battle, I just thought, well, okay, he's lost a few men, he's lost a few men, um, yeah.
0: He didn't feel sad where um when Jiro died. No,
1: I didn't even. I...
0: Oh, no, no, wasn't Jero just... died, sorry. Okay, it was Saburo died. Care. Okay, maybe yeah, I wasn't that the... moved by either. You know, the blue prince died. When he, the he blue didn't...
1: prince, the youngest prince, the prince who's meant to be, um, you know, the nice one, um, uh, did not care uh, at all.
0: That's a shame. Well about when the father was sort of roaming around in the plane and then he loses it and tries to bury himself in the ground and then they're pulling him out and he's saying don't be so cruel, don't be so cruel Did you feel Didn't anything? Care. <laughs> Heart of stone do
1: not care at all Well
0: what I'm going to say is that I said at the beginning I love this film and actually I still do because I really did like the visuals and just like the battle scenes they were great, I liked the samurai like guns and like said the intrigue the um, plot. I still enjoyed it, um, but like I said, um, the downfall was the acting. It was very wooden, and also.
1: You still there, Chris? Mm, I think you oh, might be gone, listeners. We'll call him back. Oh. What? I thought you. I. Thought... What do you mean? I'm not gone?
0: Am I? <laughs> Just wait a moment. Can you hear me?
1: You all of a sudden oh, it went completely. I, I I All right,
0: you're gonna have to cut that bit out as well because I don't like being vulgar.
1: <laughs> well, we'll we'll excuse Chris's uh, swear word. Oh, i has um, a really good train. Really anyway, a good train. What, what were we so
0: what part did you hear up to?
1: I heard up to. I was listening. I'm just startled. Uh, you were saying that you did enjoy it, and you you liked the battle scenes.
0: The visuals uh, were very good. Yeah. But the and the plot was good as well. Yeah, I did like the intrigue, another... which you might disagree with me on, but I don't agree with you on that. Um. But the downside, of course, was the wooden acting, and how the story just didn't fit very well in the future, because characters such as the jester doesn't really make. Based on how the characters act um, or treat each other, and you also have these situations where, there's battle scene at the end of it, all the ladies of the court come in, but then the king runs away, and that doesn't seem very authentic to me.
1: Well, I, if you don't mind me monologuing for a little bit. I have a little bit of constructive criticism. Of me? So, so this is the thing. Uh, Buckle up. I believe that it is possible to have terrific set pieces and terrific characters because, if I use a recent example, I'd say Parasite. So, Parasite is kind of like a heist film and... You know, oh my God, there's so many layers to Parasite, but you, those characters, you really remember. They, they have voices. They have, they have dreams. They have regret, and it's not, it's not so much told to you, uh, and it's not surface level how they feel. It's just, it's in the performances which are knocked out of the park, and it's in just clever editing and all that kind of thing, and i just believe it's possible now i was talking to mark this morning about it because um, i always feel a bit sort of guilty when a, a film is credited as a masterpiece everywhere and i just don't dig it i kind of think is there something wrong with me so i was talking to him about it and he said to me like sometimes you know the set pieces are kind of what make the film and some people are drawn to that more than character. I, I'm definitely more of a character interested person, but you were saying that people are more into set piece. Now I can enjoy set pieces. We watched Mission Impossible Fallout the other night and I love those set pieces, but I don't know or care really much about Ethan Hunt. You know what I mean? But you go into that film and you can enjoy it for what it is now. My last example, just talking in the realm of trying to get things right, is that Mark and I also watched a rom-com on Netflix from a couple of years ago called Set It Up, starring Glenn Powell and Zoe Deutsch. I think that's how you pronounce the name. And the thing is, before we even started the film, we knew that it was going to be the typical formula of probably don't like each other very much at the beginning, then they like each other, and something goes wrong to make them yell at each other, and then they end up together. That is the usual formula. But the film felt really original in how the two main actors portrayed their characters, and the little idiosyncrasies in the script that made those people like different to your Kate Hudson's and Matthew McConaughey's and Jennifer Lopez's and all that. So we ended up really enjoying it. Um, but we knew that all the uh, plot points were going to be met, and we didn't care because, you know.
0: No, I know you are making a lot of sense. I'm just thinking about what you were saying. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's a matter of personal preference, and while you were saying that, I realised that this is a man's film, really, because...
1: Oh, there it is. There it is. I knew it was going to Yeah, I wanted to
0: watch it, so...
1: No, I'm glad you picked it. It was on my list, but it was like a bit lower down because it's not my typical genre, but it was definitely on my my list, even since, you know, ever since uni with that poster.
0: Yeah. I suppose as well, there are some things that might appeal to a female audience though. The female characters in this film are not totally helpless. They They do have agency. They do have independence. So it's not just the case that women are side characters. They are um, instrumental to the story so there is that going for it but then but yeah i think but because of the set pieces because it all hinges upon um, the visuals from these battle scenes yeah it's good. It's bad, but, it's Definitely.
1: but you know what but, but you know what i think chris i don't think it is if we just use you and i as an example um, and it's not black and white. Um, but if I just used you and I as an example, it's not you're a guy and I'm a girl. It's maybe I'm more into character-driven stories and you're more into plot-driven yeah. stories. Uh,
0: yeah, actually, I think that's entirely true. There are certain films, though, like, um, what was it? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where I, I wasn't that because appreciated the setting of the immersion from it but that's not very common i think i'm usually driven by, by intrigue and being surprised by the story
1: yeah like i think there's always exceptions to the rule for example i love the first um Fast and the Furious film, the one that came out in 2001 when Paul Walker had lovely blonde curly hair and I just love that film but it's basically Point Break on a beach uh, well not Point Break on a beach what am I saying, Point Break with cars uh, but they always end up on a beach drinking Corona I mean beer Corona not Corona <laughs> Just to clear that up um, <laughs> Just to clear that up but no so I like that film because you know even though the characters over the course of, what, like 10 films or whatever it is now, um, they are developed. and You do learn to recognize them as, you know, not faceless. They're individuals and that kind of thing. But when that first film came out, I was about six, I think, and I used to watch it with my dad, and it was really great. Oh, that's good to hear. Well, yeah, so, I mean, there's exceptions to every rule, but I think on this podcast, with, you know, you and I being a team, I think it's not. You're a boy. I'm a girl. It's it's what we like instead I think this has
0: been I good with you because I think we've got two sides of it. We've talked about the positive sides of it. And, well, I've talked about the positive sides of it with feeling, and you've talked about the negative sides of it with feeling. So it really would give any listener the chance to come to their own conclusions about what they think the film should be regarded as as a masterpiece or should it be regarded as I don't say flop but maybe regarded as a film that was good because of the visuals because it was a big budget film and not necessarily a good film because of the acting and the dialogue
1: I think the other thing is is that there's two things one is that Hopefully with our show we can say like, look, if you don't like Citizen Kane, that is fine. You're you're not no one's gonna take away your movie loving uh ID card, you know. You're not gonna be thought of as lesser than if you don't like the same things. I mean, don't get me wrong, sometimes when Mark doesn't like a movie I like, I do get a little bit uh you know like sulky but I do get over it um I'm not (laughs) a child I promise but like but and the other thing is is that if we were doing this show and we constantly um if we did two things if we constantly raved about all the masterpieces quote unquote masterpieces and then secondly we said do not watch this film if it was a bad one do not watch it that'd be totally wrong of us because what we don't like could be someone's favourite film. It's just a taste thing, really.
0: That that's all that really comes down to with any film. I don't think there's any such thing as an objective about it. I think there's always that penises and I think there's in many films, most all films where there's going to be a election of audience who just can't get into the plot or the theme of the film. And perhaps normally they won't watch those kinds of films, but I think that's just what cinema is.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, good Thank review, you. Chrissy. And um, so, what is this? Is this the second weekend in May? So, how about we do another one of these last weekend in May? Yeah, that Two sounds
0: perfect. And before we go, I'd just like to say that you know during these difficult times, I think um, these podcasts have been really good. I, I can't quite put my finger why, but I think it's if nothing else, is a good way of.
1: Yeah, I mean it keeps you and I out of trouble if yeah, nothing else.
0: Right. <laughs> A lot of trouble with
1: <laughs> well, we've in the UK just found out this evening that uh lockdown is going to remain. However, you know, by July things could be I should totally when better, you said July. So july well you know it'll be here before we know it when we think we've almost done two months of lockdown Ooh, what's so. the next one going to be oh i don't know yet um oh christ i've just got low battery one second uh i don't know what the next one's going to be but it will be mentioned on the
0: twitter page Yay. i do read the I promise
1: so i better run
0: i do read the twitter Have I page now? i promise
1: Oh, thank you, Chris. <laughs> all right, well, we better turn off because my phone's about to die. But it was good, talk good to you talking too. to you, Chris. And we will, oh, thank you. And we'll see you all another okay, time. Okay, until then, <laughs>
0: goodbye.